Before we get started, my new book, Building a Story Brand, is out now. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's all about the idea that if you are trying to tell your company's story, you are losing money. Never tell your story. Only invite customers into a story. That's what they want. The customer is the hero, not you. It is the key to growing your business. Billion-dollar brands understand it. If you want to understand it, by building a story brand today on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Now, on with the podcast. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose, noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., best customer service experience you've ever had Ooh. go i mean probably just first off i would say any ice cream parlor because they're giving me ice cream <laughs> like just like that's it, product that's I, not customer I mean, service but they're giving me what i want so <laughs> <laughs> there's maybe that okay so i went on vacation this year to italy yes it was we were very, all ridiculously yeah, jealous I, if you're not I, on instagram <laughs> you don't follow jj <laughs> i went don't went to italy and holland it was jealous. pretty kind of amazing but i worked in higher education for a long time and I would take students overseas. So my experiences overseas were often <laughs> sleeping like on the door, sleeping on the, on the floor, floor of, of a church. church. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, the really cheap like hostels. It's like, we're all 12 going to cram in this eight person room. <laughs> and so that was really my traveling through Europe experience. Right. And I decided to go on an adult vacation. Like we're not, <laughs> you know, we're not going to, yeah, I'm not going <laughs> to like stay in a hostel and everything. And we stayed at this hotel in Florence. You remember the name that, of that? No. I might be able to find it if we Hotel the Pizzeria. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the name of it, but we stayed in this place where it was, you know, this old Italian villa, a couple hundred years old that had been refurbished and everything. And it's pretty small and boutique. And we pull up and every single person is wearing a suit. Even the women, like the, Italian suits are Italian, crazy. Yes, it's like yeah. beautiful, amazing suits. Dude. They're opening every door, and we come in. They have us sit down on these plush couches. They give us cappuccinos and cookies while we're getting check in. While we're waiting, they ended up organizing us two tours in Florence. One of the Statue of David that we couldn't get tickets for ourselves. They took care of it for us. And it was just the most unbelievable. The food was amazing. The service was amazing. Our room was amazing. And as each time we got ready to leave, to go out and kind of just tour the city, they would hand us candy and water. <laughs> like they would hand us a little bag, just make sure everything okay. Turn down service. What do you want for dinner? Would you have drinks waiting in your room when you get back? And I turned to George and I said, I feel like if we asked for a tiger in our room, <laughs> you that, told me that. <laughs> they would put it there. Like it was just that kind of service where it was just so, it was amazing. I never felt so pampered and cared for and even just like needs anticipated. Right. And I feel like maybe that happens a lot in Italy (laughs) with service because I would say the best like suit buying experience I ever had was in Mm. Rome where... I mean, the well, pants yeah, have never... Period. Rome, I mean, yeah, period, if you're yeah. going to buy a suit. Yeah, it was... The pants fit me like I've never been fit before, and the jacket was perfect. And as I was getting ready to leave, I was like, oh, I forgot. I need to buy a shirt. And the lady just stepped back and looked at me, 
I'm a stocky guy, right? Like, so I'm kind of short and squatty with really short arms. So if a shirt usually fits around my waist it's and like, chest, it's like three feet too long on my yeah, arms. Like puppets. that's just, yeah, it's just not a good look. But she looked at me, went and got a shirt and handed it to me. And I started to go into the changing room and she goes, what, what are you doing? And <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try on the shirt. And she goes, no, it fits. And I'm and now you're thinking, stuck. I know I'm not going to be a jerk, but like at the same time, like I'm going back to America. I can't return this. Yeah. So I, of course, I just like kind of looked down at my shoes and got <laughs> the shirt and like paid for it. And she didn't do it in a mean way. She was just like, it fits. it fits. Like what? I don't understand what you're doing. And I go back to the hotel and I put it on and it is the best shirt that I ever purchased feel wise and fit wise. That's awesome. Yeah. Betsy and I, I don't know what it is about overseas, but we went to a place in Mexico that was like that. Yeah. I mean, just anticipated every move. Yeah. You know, like maybe 15 villas in the whole resort. Yeah. And Pepe. <laughs> yeah. Pepe was just, I, I swear, he hid in the trees. Yeah, just there to do whatever like, he needed. Achoo! Pepe's right coming out of the trees with a Kleenex. <laughs> it was just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Like, we wanted to adopt Pepe. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was just amazing. Sometimes you get that kind of service. I would do wonder, though, because we went to a resort somewhere, and there was a sense of, you know, being a servant is a less than thing yeah and we are not less than and we want everybody to know it yeah you know especially the customers was that in palm springs i was trying not to throw anybody well, you're under not the bus. gonna you can throw a city under a bus not the place the city was just, great yeah but if that was this <laughs> yeah. place and it got me wondering whether maybe we've lost the lost art of servanthood as authority yeah as you know this is a position of strength yeah. and authority i am here to serve you and I'm going yep. to do it well. We have a pretty awesome customer service thing going on here yeah. at StoryBrand. I don't feel no. emasculated or disempowered no. by no. serving. It gives me a feeling of I'm your coach and I'm giving you strength yeah. and you're here to I'm learn helping you and, succeed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm changing the world through you somehow. Yeah. And we have experienced that, and we didn't experience that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've had both. Well, yeah. today's interview is all about customer service, and it is a competitive advantage if you can get. Yeah awesome customer service and you're going in your organization. And one of the best ways to do it is to take the podcast that you're listening to right now and make sure everybody in your organization listens to it. Yeah. Today's guest is Todd Duncan. Yep. And Todd wrote a book called The $6,000 Egg. And he shares, the book has many principles, paradigm shifts, things to understand about customer service. He gets through five or six of them in this interview. We couldn't get through all of them. But every one of them will revolutionize your organization. You'll spend a good year just trying to execute them all. But again, the best way to start is just to send this podcast around to everybody who you work with and say, we're going to do this. Yeah. And we're going to focus on this. And it plants a seed in the organization. I think it's a competitive advantage. Well, you and I choose our rental car company based on customer service. We do. You did it first. And I was like, well, I don't need to go that route, you know, but we travel yeah. so much that I change my rental car company. I pay a little bit more simply mm -hmm. because of customer service. Yep. I'm willing to. And they, I am loyal to them. I look for them at every airport, and I use them every single time because they are the best customer service. They're not the cheapest, and they don't always have the exact car I want. But customer service-wise, it gives me exactly what well, I want, how I, I want it. And I fly Southwest Airlines. I mean, let's Same face it. I reason. could get a bunch of miles and you know be platinum, diamond, gold star status or whatever. I don't care yep. because whatever ticket that I could upgrade with to first class – is offset by the incredible customer service on Southwest Airlines. I do the same so thing. if there's a direct flight on Southwest, just put me on Southwest. Yep. And I think a lot of people identify with that. That's the power of customer service, and it's possible for an organization to inherently love their customers like this. Yeah. And the idea, of course, the foundational paradigm shift to StoryBrand is 
your customer is a hero, not you. Todd understands that, and he basically gives us some practical steps and strategies here to implement that in our organization. So I don't want to wait anymore. Here's my conversation with the author of a book called The $6,000 Egg. He explains that story, where the idea of a $6,000 egg comes from, in this interview and also in his book. Here's my conversation with Todd Duncan. Todd Duncan, welcome to the show. Good to be here, my friend. How you doing, Donald? I'm wonderful. You have a delightful category that you talk about, customer service. It is the, I think it's got to be 50%, and you probably argue even more, of the success of a business. When I think about customer service, I think, you know, of course, we've all had exceptional customer service experiences before. There's a restaurant that I love. It's hard to get good Tex-Mex in Nashville, and one opened up. They have the best Tex-Mex in town. They could compete in Houston. They could compete in any Texas market, and the customer service is terrible. You've got to have a couple bad customer service stories under your belt. You know, I mean, I wake up every day looking for which stories next, you know, and uh, (laughs) to me, it's unbelievable to watch the lack of common sense around organizations and the people in those organizations and how they actually think about the experience. You know, one of the ideas is customer satisfaction is no longer going to win you the business. You got to go kind of over and beyond. And we were one of the ones that actually was the catalyst for the book, Donald, was we were at a restaurant that we frequented pretty frequently and uh, went by on a Sunday and which we did probably two or three times a month. We had business gatherings there and, you know, we we're pretty frequent customers, but they had a changing of staff. They had a couple new employees and we weren't familiar to them. And we had asked if they would just provide a side order of a fried eggs at their breakfast lunch restaurant on top of a cheeseburger. And we had done this five days earlier at another restaurant. So we just figured, let's do it here. And so the bartender says, let me go see if the kitchen can do that, which was the first sign that I'm thinking, what do you mean? I mean, it's just a, you know, guys serve eggs. And I'm thinking. and so he comes back and here's the classic, they can't do that. They can't do that. So every customer story is based on a philosophy of we can't do that, or that's not how we do it, or whatnot. The long and short of this is we spent probably $500 a month at this restaurant, three requests to the kitchen, nobody would give us an egg. The funny thing, Donald, is 100 feet away is a Whole Foods restaurant, loaded with eggs. And we're thinking, the kitchen can't do it, why? And the kitchen can't do it because they have an egg special that day that comes with a waffle. And they won't do a side order of an egg because they only have enough eggs for the number of waffles they want to sell for the day. Right. And I'm thinking, man, oh, man, oh, man, there's an egg so close to here. And I don't get that anyway, right? And so we finally got a chance to talk to the manager, and she came over with her arms folded. Uh, so yeah. physiology 101. Yeah. And then she goes, I understand you have a problem. And I said, well, I don't know that we have a problem. We come here all the time. We spend a lot of money, and we just wanted a side order of an egg for our cheeseburger. And she said, we can't do that. And it was just amazing. It wasn't part of their structure. They're a research and development kitchen, and they only have enough eggs for their waffle special, which was $16. And she said, we only have enough eggs for our waffle special. We give you a side order. We can't sell the waffle. And I looked at her, and I said, I spend $500 a month here. I'm not trying to be high maintenance. You'd rather sell a $16 waffle than give me an egg and make me happy. And she said, it's just the way we operate. So I said, okay, then, you know, here's how we're going to operate. We're never coming back. And this decision just cost yeah. you $6,000. This is what every listener needs to hear. All I did was showcase that. I wrote a blog. All I did was send it to my ecosystem. I wrote a blog on the experience and was shared with 400,000 people in three Did months. you name the restaurant in the blog? 
I did. Because you didn't I, think it was going to be 400,000 people, obviously. Well, no, no, no. Here's what ended up happening. So we end up walking down to Whole Foods just after we're done here. And we walk into Whole Foods to see how much eggs are. And they're 33 cents an egg. And we're thinking, this is even <laughs> good, right? Because we just left a restaurant. Just the metrics on this story are impressive. <laughs> so then they have a restaurant in Whole Foods. And we walked back and told this gal behind the bar, her name is Sandy. And we told her the challenge we had at R&D. And she said, here's her quote. She said, at Whole Foods, we're taught to say yes. So Deb, my wife goes, okay, let's just test this. You know, kicks me under the table. She orders a garlic Parmesan and bacon pizza. We've never ordered that in our life. And she says, with a fried egg on top. And at Whole Foods, it's, we can do that. Sandy said, we're taught to say yes. Deb says, let me test you. She goes and checks with the chef and she says, no problem. So we're thinking, good night. We're a hundred feet away. Both companies are in the restaurant and food business. And the response to one changed forever the destiny of this experience. And so then she comes back and says, your pizza's almost done, but the chef wanted me to ask you a question. So Donald, the details, right? The details of service. The chef wants me to ask you a question. Would you like the pizza cut with the egg on top or would you like the pizza cut first and the egg put on top (laughs) after? That's a detail. And we said after. In two minutes, we have a pizza with an egg on it. It was pretty good, but that wasn't the point. The point was, would you do it? So anyway, we write the blog, send the blog to the owner of the restaurant and to the general manager. And here's the problem. They never, ever called back. So the blog goes viral. They could have saved it. They could have saved it, but they didn't. And then the book was written, and now tens of thousands of copies of the book are out there. So here's how it ends. We sent the owner the book and said, if you'd ever like us to come in and just talk about training, we'd be happy to do that. And we got a form letter back, not interested. So it's all cultural, man. It's all leadership. It's Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to say. The book is the $6,000 egg, the 10 new golden rules of customer service. And you actually talk about 10 things you can do to just wow and keep customers. As I eat at this Mexican restaurant, and I still go, I'm sorry, I still go because it's the only place to get good Tex-Mex and, you know, I got to scratch my itch. But I have to put up with abuse every time I go. And the thing is, when I look around, and even with some companies that we could name, some airlines that we could name, you realize I don't really blame the waiter and waitress. I really don't. I think there's something cultural that the leadership has not taught them or given them the freedom. Because what waiter doesn't want to please that table and get a better tip? I mean, it's just part of the natural ecosystem to want to please your customers. This is a leadership issue, isn't it? It's an empowerment issue, and it's a trust issue. So leaders have to believe it first. They have to be able to empower their staff to make wise decisions about the brand and spend the company's money the right way. And then they need to have, at the underpinning of all discussions, trust. So here's how the manager handled the solution. We needed an egg. She offered to pay our bill, which was $70. And I looked at her and I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You'll spend $70 of the company's money to say you're sorry to me when all I really wanted was a 35 cent egg. So wait, they offered, after you complained about the egg, they actually offered to pay your bill? They did pay it. And we still told them we're never coming back. That's really amazing. It's just crazy. I was with Mark and Brian Canless of Canless Restaurant and we were having dinner here in town. Went to a really nice place, award-winning chef. And I can't remember if we had a reservation or not, but somebody at the hostess stand as we walked in said to us, and I didn't notice, I just thought this was a normal thing. They said, hey, we'd love to seat you. We do need this table at eight o'clock. And, you know, Mark said, you know, that's fine. We should be out of here by eight. But then when she turned away, he looked at me and he said, never make your problem my problem. Your problem (laughs) is you need that table free at eight. 
That is not my problem. And so I said, Mark, how would you deal with that at Canlis? He said, oh, there's so many ways to deal with it, Don. There's such delightful ways. You go over there at 7.50 and you say, you know, I hope you had a wonderful evening tonight. Can I give you a tour of the kitchen and the wine cellar? And you get them out of the table. And they get a tour of the kitchen. They get a tour of the wine cellar. They get the night of their life, and you easily solve the problem. You have a customer for life, and you got a table at 8 o'clock. There's just ways to do this stuff. And the thing is, if you've got a good product and you're positioned well in the marketplace, customer service is next. And if you can narrow down and get your customer service dialed in, you're going to scale up. I want to go through a few of these. We can't go through all 10 because we don't have time. Plus, I want people to buy the book. But I want to go through a few of these and just talk them out. The golden rules of customer service. The first one I want to talk about is go beyond and beyond. What does that mean? Everybody knows that the key to customer service is you've got to meet the customer's expectations. But many, many don't. Many do, but they stop there. And then there's the few that meet it, exceed it, meet it, exceed it, meet it, exceed it. And so one of the stories we tell in the book is I was cruising through Denver on the way back to the West Coast and I had some time and so I wanted to get my shoe shine. So executive shoe shine is in Terminal B at Denver International Airport. And I sat down and this guy was really friendly, welcomed me, kind of asked me you know, what I wanted. And then he said, are you in a hurry? Which was a key question because I was in a hurry. He would do it fast. And if I wasn't, he would take his time. And I said, nope, I got time to kill. And he said, fantastic. I'm going to do a great job. And he starts rolling through my shoe shine and I'm just checking through emails and, you know, I kind of feel this and I feel that down by my foot and I look down and I see what he's doing and he's got my laces unlaced and he's got a Q-tip going underneath where the top of the leather kind of comes together in the middle over the other leather. And then one of my laces is frayed. And so he's putting a new eyelet on the end of that. You are kidding. No, no, it's crazy. And he just kept going and going. My shoe shine lasted 17 minutes. And I looked down when we were all done and I said, that is the best shine I've ever received. And I said to him, how much? And he looked at me and he said, just pay me what you think it's worth. And I said, are you kidding me? And I looked at the kind of the wall where most shoe shines would tell you, you know, seven bucks for, you know, this or nine bucks for a shine and a wax. And there was no price, Donald, anywhere. And what ended up happening is he was so proud of his service, so proud of how he went over and beyond that he literally trusted me to pay what I thought it was worth. And I paid. I've never done this in my life. I went back there again just two days ago and had another shoe shine. I paid him $30 for a shoe shine. 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah, which is three times what you probably would have paid if it were a fixed price. Exactly and- right. But watch this. It gets better. So now... Tens of thousands of people go buy executive shoe shine at Denver International Airport because they want the Alex experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's a shoe shiner. He's an entrepreneurial shoe shiner with a great attitude who cares about the customers beyond, beyond, beyond. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Second, delight the customer every step of the way. It sounds like Alex is already doing that. What's the differentiator between what Alex is doing and how do you delight the customer? Well, so, you know, you talk about your taco place and, you know, they've got great food, but they have horrible service. What happens when you marry up great food with off the charts service? So there's a restaurant in Newport Beach that's called Mama D's and the food is unbelievable. The service is unbelievable. It's so powerful that if you're not there by 530, you're going to wait 45 minutes. So most companies don't want their customers to wait. Right. But if you're in business and you got a line coming out the front door, you want them to wait 
but you want them to wait with style and you want them to wait with happiness and you want them to wait with kind of this special attention. So what they'll do while you're waiting, if you're not there at the start, is they'll come around with their beautiful piping hot garlic bread as a sample. They'll come around with the sausage of the night with toothpicks already put in the sausages to serve you. They serve drinks and if the wait is over 60 minutes, they'll give you a free drink instead of you having wow. to pay for it. Now watch yeah. this. The guy asked me, he says, you guys have waited quite a while. You know, what can I get you to drink? And I said, I would love a beer, a cold beer. And he goes, that's awesome. How cold would you like it? Wait, Donald, how cold would you like it? I've never heard that. I have a picture that he brought out the beer in a beer cooler full of ice. What? Yeah, That's just, amazing. No, no. So you finally sit down and you've been delighted three or four or five times. I'm there with my father-in-law. He orders a Diet Coke. They don't have any left. It's not a fountain shop. They got it in stock. He runs across the street to Vons, picks up a Diet Coke. You know, it's just that kind of stuff. It's just delight the customer every step of the way. Now it gets better. I get home one time and we forgot our leftovers. We had them put them in and take a home. I called the restaurant back and I said, we just left your restaurant. We had our food that you packed up so we could take home and we left it. And the gal goes, so what did you order tonight? And we told her and she said, tell you what, next time you come back, it's on us. We left the food. It was our yeah, problem. Yeah, your mistake. Theirs. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just delight the customer every step of the way. I mean, you're wired this way. You and I have actually spent time together in person. You're wired like one of these guys. And I don't mean to say we all can't become this kind of person because I believe we can become this kind of person. But they're seeing the world. It's not just customer service, Todd. They're seeing the world a little bit differently than a lot of people are seeing the world. They're seeing the world through a servant's eyes. You teach people that servanthood is a powerful position. It's an authoritative position. It's an important position because you're actually affecting people's moods, the way they feel about themselves. It's a lot of impact in the service position. But how do you teach that to somebody? I mean, what do you tell a group of people to say, this is the mentality I want you to have toward other human beings? So I just saw a study that said 95% of employees prefer culture over comp. And it was interesting. So if you want to be part of a meaningful culture, then it takes leadership to lay the groundwork for a meaningful culture. And what's interesting is if you have a meaningful culture of, as you say, servanthood and delighting the customer and going over and beyond and beyond and beyond, compensation, revenue, profitability, all that takes care of itself. I have a picture in the book of the Mama D mission statement. It says, we at Mama D's are committed to giving. And then a big, bold font on the wall, it says, every guest a superior experience, exceeding their expectations by being friendly, focused, having positive attitudes, great teamwork, and playing to win 100% of the time with our customers. And it starts at the top. Any business owner, any business manager, whether you have five people or 55 or 555, leadership sets the hook for what you want the customer to experience. And then when people are empowered and they realize that there's fulfillment in delivering and then comp just kind of comes around. I mean, Alex, you know, made 20 bucks extra and the guy that owns Mama D's, it's such a profitable restaurant to blow your mind, but they don't focus on profits. They focus on people. And I imagine they focus on their people first. I mean, that's how you get your culture right, right? Watch this. If people don't love working for a brand, they won't deliver the service excellence that you and I are talking about. So it starts always on the inside before it ever manifests to the outside. Yeah. Huge point. I'll be back with more of my interview with Todd Duncan in just a moment. It's another Marketing Mythbusters with Marketing Mythbuster, Kula Callahan in her <laughs> Wonder Woman pose. Kula, what is today's marketing myth? Here's today's myth, Don. 
If someone doesn't buy from you after going through your sales gauntlet, they probably aren't going to buy from you. Okay, let me get you straight. Let me try to understand what you're saying. A sales gauntlet are those 10 or 12 or 13 or 15 emails you send to somebody after you get their email address, right? Right. So mm-hmm. they download a lead generating PDF and you send them this stuff and it's all designed over a period of maybe two weeks or something to get them to buy that product. Right. You're saying that if they don't buy there, they might buy later? Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. I read a study a couple of weeks ago that said 70% of people who go through a sales sequence buy after the launch ends. I think hearts are sinking right now. Actually, <laughs> maybe people are getting excited because right. they're realizing, wait, 70%, I can increase my business by 70% if after I close the card or after mm-hmm. I'm done selling them something, I just keep emailing them. You just keep emailing them. And here's the thing. It isn't that you're just emailing them. It's the valuable content that is included in those emails. So Getting just, people to open those emails, totally, continuing yeah, to earn so, trust. Right. Being really strategic with the subject line. And then once they open the email, giving them something really valuable that they can use right now today to solve something that they're facing or overcome some challenge they're dealing mm. with and make their life a little bit better and have this experience of like, huh. Interesting. Like well, that made me feel so I positive. rarely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> At least not intentionally or willfully. <laughs> I agree with this. And we literally just did something where, okay, you know, if somebody downloads or goes to five minute marketing makeover, I'm going to just pull back the curtain here on how we right. do some marketing. If somebody goes to five minute marketing makeover.com, gives us their email address, by the way, do it because it's an awesome product for free. Yep. Uh, if you do that, we, I think right now, we've got it designed where we sell you my book. So we sell you my book, and you get all sorts of bonuses if you buy the book. And then we thought, you know what? We want to sell them stuff down the road, but we actually put an intermediate campaign, if that's the right word, where we actually offer about five or six emails of just free, pure, incredible value, right. things that will get you more money asking nothing in return. Totally. And then that takes a week or two. And then we put you into another sales sequence to sell you something else. And we like that idea of, well, they didn't buy this. Most people would stop. Right. They would say, well, they didn't buy the book. So they don't want to do business with us. Right. Not and what true. you're saying is true. No, send them a bunch of other really great free stuff. Right. And if you're business to business, stuff that will make them money. Totally. Period. Yep. And then sell them something else, a product that will make them money. Give them free stuff, but try to extend that as long as you can. And after your sales sequence, give them some free stuff. Open up another sales sequence for another product. Give them, give them a bunch of free stuff. Open another sales sequence right. down the road. And you begin to earn trust because totally. people say, yeah, you made me money with this. I didn't pay you anything. Yep. I agree. And here's the other thing, too. It builds trust in another way because you're saying to your customers, hey, you didn't buy this. You're not willing to make that risk and put skin in the game and give me money right now, but I still want to serve you. I still like you. you. Right? Yeah, I still (laughs) still like like you. you. So here's some other things that even though you didn't give me money, I still want to help you out. And that's coming from a place of authenticity and generosity. But people do. There's something about that relationship when they realize, oh, I didn't buy something, but they're still trying to help me. That's going to make them more inclined to buy something from you down the road. Well, cool. I love it. couple things. Kula Callahan is the director of guides. She is one of the people here at StoryBrand who certify, help to certify marketing consultants and marketing agencies all over the country. If you just want somebody to create a sales funnel for you, a funnel that gets results, go to clarifyyourmessage.com and hire a StoryBrand certified guide, copywriter, or complete digital agency. They have all flown to Nashville. They have all spent four days in a room with me teaching them how to do this the right way. They measure their results the same way we do. 
by your revenue, not ours. These right. people are morally obligated to make you money. Go to clarifyyourmessage.com and hire a guide. If you want to do it yourself and create a sales funnel yourself and you want some help doing that, clarifying your message, understanding what lead generator you should use, understanding how an email sequence works, sign up for a StoryBrand marketing workshop at storybrand.com. If you want somebody else to do it for you, clarifyyourmessage.com. If you want to do it yourself, storybrand.com. We would love to see you in person. Kula, thank you so much. Glad to be here. You've got a bunch of them here. The next one that I want to talk about is serve. I mean, just serve. What we basically have to do, I believe, is we need to have people own the concept of the simple idea. And you brought up servant, right? To have a servant's heart, but how's that manifested? And, you know, one of the stories in the book is Deb and I were heading the Caribbean. I'm six, five, you know, nothing fits off the rack and I needed a couple pairs of slacks. And so we went to Nordstrom. Everybody's got a Nordstrom story, right? Yeah. So yeah, we go great. to Nordstrom and the gal's name is Mona and she knows, you know, this is Sunday afternoon. We got to leave for the Caribbean Monday morning and we find a couple pair of casual linen slacks and they're unhemmed. And I said, you know, I need these by tomorrow. And she said, I'm sure we can do that. What time do you leave? And I said, 6.30. She said, so you need them today? And I said, yeah. And she said, I'm sure we can do that, but let me just check with my tailors to make sure. So she turns her back on us, calls the tailors, gets the thumbs up. And of course the tailors say yes, because they you know, have been taught to be the team right. leader, the salespeople. Anyway, yeah. she says, no problem at all. They'll probably be ready around five o'clock. Would that be okay? And I said, absolutely. Donna, we could have been done right there. And I would have been thrilled, right? I would have gone home, got right. to lunch, something, come back. She said, and this is served, she said, you know, you're probably going to be busy packing. Could I just drop by your house this afternoon and deliver the socks? <laughs> and I said, you would do that? And she said, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. And so we said, sure. So four o'clock, the chime goes off on the gate and she's coming up and walking to the front door and she's got the slacks and it's four o'clock, not yeah. five o'clock, an hour early. Yeah. And so we opened the door and she said, these are done. Why don't you go try them on? We still have time if they don't fit, but I'm sure they will. And so I went back and tried them on. She's talking to Deb and I come back, they fit perfectly. And we're walking her back to the car. And I looked at the car and it was a Mercedes. And I just, I didn't equate in my mind, salesperson at Nordstrom, Mercedes. And it was one of the top end ones. And I said, is that your car? And she said, absolutely. And I said, how can you afford that? And she said, by treating all my customers the way I just treated you. And I looked at her carefully. And I, <laughs> I, said, I get choked that? up here in that story. That's right? beautiful. Yeah. I go, what does that mean? She says, you and Deb are going to buy from me for the rest of your life. I am your gateway. Listen to the verbiage here story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am your gateway to three floors of shopping excellence. And we're blown away. We walk into the car. The license plate on the car says serve. And in the backseat between the handrests up top are five more deliveries. That was oh, one of the gosh. things she did. Now it gets yeah. better. Listen to this final part of the story. We get back from the Caribbean and there's a note in the mail. We open it up and the note says, Todd, I hope your trip was great. You asked me if your slacks were going on sale. I told you they weren't, they did. Please find enclosed a credit slip to your Nordstrom account for the difference between what you paid for the slacks and how much they were on sale. And then PS, looking forward to your next visit. So this That's idea, I mean, serve, it, it has to become part of your DNA. And why would she serve that way? She would serve that way just as any business would need to serve that way. Because if you serve at the highest level possible, you lock in repeat business. You lock in referral business. This story in the book has been seen by over 100,000 people. People need to understand that's what happens in their 
ecosystems. A CEO could have a bad experience at a restaurant, stand in front of a thousand employees and say, let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're never going to do it the way ABC hamburgers did it. Right. Boom. Done. Yeah. <laughs> What's amazing about Mona is she acted like an owner. How do you create an ownership mentality with a team like that? So again, I think it gets back to a purposeful reason for why the business exists. What are we doing in the first place? And then where I think a lot of leaders miss is what is the linkage between the vision for service and the payoff for the employee? You know, yeah, whether yeah, it yeah. is continued employment, whether it is comp, whether it is a rewards trip, most leaders don't have the real reason why besides just employment, people want a job. And if they can dig a little bit deeper and get into some of the core values and even like brands like Lululemon, I mean, you go into a Lululemon athletic store and they've got pictures on the walls of their employees' dream boards and the employees are in part of this universe of success and they yeah. showcase their dreams. And, and the customer wants to even contribute to the employee's dream at that point. You're sort of sharing exactly. vision. To the point where the pictures are on the wall in the dressing rooms so that when you go back, the person helping you can show you their goals or you can see their goals or you can say, what is this? And they get Jeez, to tell you. that's Huge. brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. All right. Well, I want to get through a couple more because we don't have you for very long. Deliver the unexpected to create business karma. <laughs> so, you know, the whole idea of what goes around comes around or, you know, the golden rule, doing others as you would have done unto yourself or just do the right thing. And so the whole idea of, you know, what it's not practicing karma. It's just the idea that good things happen to people that do good things. And so we were in a hurry one day and the line at In-N-Out was way too long, both in the driveway and in the restaurant. But we chose to go to the driveway and we parked in a red zone. So we go into the restaurant, park in the red zone. We're thinking that's going to be the fast way out. And we're on our way out. And we see a cop, <laughs> a cop behind our car giving us a ticket. And we're there, I don't know, two minutes. And the manager comes out and we were frequent to the store. And the manager comes out and he looks at Deb and me and he says, man, you guys, I am so sorry. Our line is so long today. Give me your ticket. I'm going to pay it for you. And we go, where did that come from? And by the end of the day, it was a 10X ticket on what we spent at In-N-Out. And by paying that, we told this story to friends who told their friends, who told their friends, who told their friends, who told their friends. And that was $52 of unbelievable advertising. And not that that's the motive. That's not the motive, but no, it but just then, was. So 52 bucks. Then we end up hiring the In-N-Out truck for our wedding. <laughs> and we paid them $5,000 to come to our wedding. We never would have done that had this guy not stuck his neck out, paid the $52 ticket all over, you know, a $5 burger and fry. Yeah. That's business karma. Well, you're selling us all on this. <laughs> I want to get to one last one. Make saying thank you a big time event. You know, I think that they're the two most powerful words in the English dictionary and yeah, any dictionary they are. worldwide. Thank you in whatever language you speak it Just in. Gratitude. Is, yeah, period. super meaningful. Just like we're doing today, I, I did an interview with Harvey McKay. He had a new book that was out and we were showcasing his book and it was a really good interview. And this was a Thursday afternoon and Friday morning, I hear the doorbell go off at our house and I go down, there's a, a FedEx envelope. And I open the FedEx envelope and inside is a letter from Harvey McKay. It's a six page letter that said, thank you 625 times in five pages of five paragraphs of five lines per page. 
I counted them up and I'm going, this is crazy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, 625 times. And I'm blown away by this. So I start telling the story in our workshops and seminars. It's a powerful story. I've got the letter. I asked my assistant to make a couple of copies so I could hang on to it. And lo and behold, we decided that we would put the story of thank you in the book. So when the book comes out, we send Harvey McKay 10 copies of the book as a thank you for him saying thank you to give us the story to put in the book. So we send the book out, I get a call back from Harvey McKay about four weeks later, and he said, who came up with the title of the book? And I told him that Deb did. And he said, unbelievable story. He said, I'm so grateful that you put me in your book that tomorrow morning, I have a editorial on your book in the top 100 newspapers in America going out as my thank you to you for saying thank you to me for the way I said thank you to you for the interview. (laughs) So this is not what you're gunning for, but listen, in the ecosystem of service, I get a call the next morning at 6.59 a.m. from my mother freaking out that I'm on the front page of the business section with the book, you know, being showcased by Harvey McKay. And by the way, the readership of those 100 newspapers was 27 million people. Unbelievable. So I think that whether it's a handwritten note, whether it's putting your hands on a customer's shoulder and saying thank you, or the way you shake the hand, the way your eyes just enlarge when you appreciate There's no downside to making your thank you a big time event. And that's the story that I love. We can all picture those people. I'm just picturing the guy at a different Mexican restaurant to full circle loop who he just walks around. He thanks people for coming in. And I thought for years, I thought, boy, what a great guy. I'd love to know his story. He must have started this restaurant. Come to find out it was a franchise. And this guy just owns a franchise, but he's walking around just acting like, thank you for believing in what we do. Thank you for believing in my people. You know, I hope your meal was amazing. We just know those people. And there's just something beautiful about when somebody expressed gratitude to you. Todd, this is a wonderful book, The $6,000 Egg. Listen, if you've got a team and you're wanting to just inspire them to do exceptional customer service, it's a good read. It's a quick read. It's a beautiful book, you know, kind of a little coffee table kind of feel to it with these incredible principles inside. I'd say pick up a bunch of them. Todd, I want to make a big deal out of you being on our podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> 62 pages worth. You've got some wonderful stories. And you and I have spent some time together, and you live this. You don't just preach it. You live it, and I'm grateful for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate the chance to impact your tribe, and uh, I love what you guys do for a living. And I think when you marry up story and service, you're unstoppable. Terrific conversation. JJ, I heard a statistic recently that there is no such thing as a hot streak with basketball players, baseball players, none of that. It is a statistical fallacy that there is a hot streak. That if you look at these numbers over time, that the more a person sinks that three-pointer, statistically, the less likely they are to hit the next one, even if they've hit five in a row. Okay. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) You're wondering how this relates. Yeah. I think it relates to next week's guest okay. in this way. <laughs> I'm ready Burnout. for this. Burnout. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you okay, keep okay. somebody uh-huh. in uh-huh. the same job, I'm the king of transitions, and you yeah, know it. clearly, yes. If you keep somebody in the same job doing the same thing for a long time, uh-huh. there's a chance and a good statistical chance they are going to get less effective at it. Really? Yes. Next week's guest makes the argument you've got to change it up. Interesting. Yeah, and she actually has an S-curve, quote, algorithm, Harvard Business Review author, 
where she says, you want to keep your company alive, keep your people happy, keep everybody productive, change, change up their up. job a little bit, and let them start over every X number of years. <gasps> Interesting, right? That does that make sense? It actually does. I mean, it makes sense in a lot of ways because I think I've left a couple different jobs like as far as like transitioned into yeah. other positions. And whoever comes in next – they always start out by going, here's all the things I want to change, right? Because, right, yeah. and some of them were things like part of the time I go, well, I wanted to change that too. I was in the process of changing it, <laughs> right, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but bringing in fresh eyes, I've had to learn very quickly not to be offended by that kind of stuff, <laughs> but to be able to come in and bring some fresh eyes and fresh perspective to a new problem, it's, I think it actually energizes me when I get to do that, well, but I've seen yeah. it happen in others and it makes the job better. Well, that's her argument. I want to play a little clip of my conversation with Whitney Johnson is her name. She wrote a book called Disrupt Yourself. And it's all about just saying, I've been doing this too long. I need to disrupt myself to get out of my patterns to keep things, as you say, fresh and new. It's going to be a great conversation next week. But of course, I want to tease you a little bit so you'll actually download and subscribe to the podcast. Here's a little bit of my conversation with Whitney Johnson. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to think about an S and what's called an S curve. And typically the S curve over decades has been used to help you deal with the unpredictability. And so if you can envision in your mind at the bottom of the S, growth is going to be very slow. And so you're gonna work really hard and not much is happening. And then at some point there's this tipping point, typically at 10 to 15% penetration of the market, and then you go into this steep back of the S. And that's the exciting part of the curve. And then at the top of the curve, you're gonna be working hard again, but not much is happening. Well, the big aha is that this S curve that predicts what happens with innovations can also be used to understand the psychology of disruption. So anytime you take on a new task, Anytime you take on a new project, it's an opportunity to disrupt. All right, there you go. Yeah. Are you going to listen? I am. I'm going to listen too. I'm excited. <laughs> You're going to change up my job next week. I already know this is going to happen. Did. I know. You just change it now, but I'm ready for it again. After two years. Only two years. <laughs> only I think we were years. we were ahead of the curve. Yeah. We changed you up. JJ went from uh, director of facilitation to chief of staff. Yeah. Also yeah. known as Cause. <laughs> Cause. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're doing a great job there, too. Thanks, Dan. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. <laughs> <laughs>